Hello everyone, and welcome to STG Sports Tech and Blockchain Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Simon Ogus, co-founder and former COO of Sport Techie to learn about technology trends and disruptions in the sports industry. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Gauge. Welcome everyone to this episode of The Gauge. I'm your host, Claire Robinson. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're sitting down with Simon Ogus, accomplished sports tech journalist currently writing for Forbes and the co-founder and former COO of Sport Techie, the world's leading resource devoted to the intersection of sports and technology. They cover the latest technological innovations, ideas, and products that impact the fan experience, player performance, and sports industry as a whole. Today, Simon and I are going to discuss the inspiration behind Sport Techie, disruptions to the sports industry, and the latest trends in all things sports tech. Please welcome Simon Ogis. Hi, Simon. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi there. How's it going? It's uh, good to be on. Great. How are things down where you are? They're cold right now. Yeah. Uh, the East Coast winter has introduced itself. So there you it's, go. Uh, it's uh, inside season. All right. Well, it's cold here too, but I'm sure not as cold. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. Why don't we start off by you telling us a bit about yourself and what about the intersection of sports and technology was attractive to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the, the intersection of sports and technology started rather happenstance. Uh, I was introduced by a mutual friend uh, to an individual here in D.C. Uh, named Josh Folk, actually. And he was really into tech. He had spent his career um, working on startups uh, and I was really you know, more into sports, but we each had a casual interest in the other. He was more of a casual sports fan, uh, and I definitely had a, a casual interest uh, in technology. And he recently, at the time, in 2011, had bought the domain name Sport Technique and uh, was just doing you know, very little with it. But we started talking about it one day, and we really uh, we thought there was potential to it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of focus uh, on the intersection. Yet it was uh, two big industries with sports and technology. So Tim and I basically started it, um, you know, as a as a you know a small blog and just trying to see what we had. Um, and to put it, you know, to move through time pretty quickly, uh, it was able to really catch on. Uh, and you know, part luck and part good. The the good was we you know we did, were able to to really hammer in on the uh, the intersection, and the and the luck was really the the boom of technology uh, right really when we started um, enabled us to kind of be first in, in a sense, uh, at least the people that were devoting, uh, covering it um, as, as a singular focus. So that's really how I got into it. And uh, it, it, just was, it combined two interests and it was something that I really thought would grow. Uh, and that's certainly been the case. And I still think we're really at its infancy. It's, it's, there's just so much technological advances within sports that haven't happened yet that, that we'll see over the next few years and, and decades. Yeah, love it. I mean, the fact that we're in a place where sport techie can not only exist but thrive says a ton about the sports industry as a whole um, and the fact that people are really interested in all things sports tech, not just tech people but sports people as well. Um, you know, notice the importance of sports tech and this digital environment within the sports industry. Um, can you speak to that at all? Can you speak to, um, you know, traditional sports fans being interested in these sport tech themes and trends? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, to kind of hit on your first point, there has been an enormous focus on sports and tech. You see the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, MLB team, you know, running their own accelerator. You see a lot of venture funds starting to devote to sports and technology. You see a lot of teams uh, with, you know, owners like Steve Ballmer in Los Angeles, Mark Cuban, Vivek Ranadive in Sacramento, you know, that come from a tech background and now they own NBA teams. Uh, they, they really like to kind of combine that as well. And, and given their platform and their, their ownership of an NBA team, um, it, it really uh, hits the mainstream a lot easier. And I think the fans, you know, a lot of times, I think fans, you know, they see all the stuff and they see the technology, you know, the, like the first down marker in American football, you know, that's a piece of technology, but people kind of just don't even associate sports and tech uh, and look at it that way. But, you know, We've lived our lives, you know, with tech impacting sports to a certain extent, uh, and now I think it's coming mainstream. Um, just there's, there's been a lot more focus on it, um, and, and kind of realize how much technology goes into sports uh, and, and the fan experience and the on-field training and everything else. And uh, and, and it, I think it's a, it's a topic that you know a lot of people like sports and a lot of people like tech, and and the growing number of people like both. Uh, and I think as they realize kind of how, you know, two of their, their interests kind of merge together, I think it's something that's really uh, been uh, something that's really attracted a lot of people. And just in my personal experience, uh, you know, Sports Tech, we partnered with Sports Illustrated uh, very early on, uh, and we got an investor in the OPU group. So, uh, you know, teams have really uh, involved uh, venture capitalists uh, down in L.A. So it's a, it's a really growing uh, area that's attracting a lot of attention, not just from regular sports fans like you and I, but uh, from the highest people and the highest level of sports. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you said it bang on. There are so many aspects of sports that are rooted in tech that uh, fans and even coaches and players to an extent don't understand how rooted in tech they really are. Um, so it's definitely an interesting space. Um, so it's definitely, it's no secret that the way sports are consumed are changing, uh, the demographics of fans are aging and, you know, some fans, specifically the millennial generation, you could even say they're being priced out of enjoying live sports events. What disruptions do you see in the sports industry that perhaps frighten you about the future of professional sports? That's interesting. Um, Mark Cuban was actually asked uh, about this kind of, you know, there's so much else going on uh, in, in outside of sports and, and social media. Uh, and he said this at CES a couple of years ago in, in Vegas. And he basically said there's nothing that replaces the, uh, the sports experience, uh, mm -hmm. being at the stadium, being around like-minded fans. Um, and, and he, and it seems like, uh, you know, owners like himself uh, aren't overly concerned with, you know, the draw of being in person. That said, uh, to your second point about fans being priced out, that's certainly uh, a worry. You know, 20 years ago, you, you had smaller televisions and, and, you know, not, you know, booming audio systems within your own house. And now, now you know, you decide if you want to go to an NFL game or watch it on your huge TV that's uh, super clear or, you know, in some cases, watch it on virtual reality and sit courtside or, or have a great seat, uh, you know, right into your kind of a 360 uh, experience. So the teams definitely have a lot more to compete with uh, going forward. Obviously, you know, 
as generations age and new generations have new uh, preferences. Obviously, uh, you know, stats show that the younger generation, you know, likes applications and social media and sharing. Um, and I think that's really kind of growing into, you know, as you go up in the generations as well. And I think teams are, are doing a good job of, of transitioning to, you know, providing high-speed internet, uh, which amazingly wasn't, uh, you know, a, a, a normal feature in, in stadiums even just a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and that could really trouble, you know, young fans from going if they know that they won't be able to share or, or be on social media during a game. Uh, just so, you know, there's, there's, a, there's high expectations. People want to see the highlights, you know, not the, the evening after the game. They want to see it during the game or instantly right after the, the play in the stadium. Uh, and there's just a lot more to provide. But uh, I think teams are doing a, a really good job of, of really kind of transitioning to these interests. But, it, you know, they really are going to have to worry about uh, the cost-benefit uh, analysis of spending all the money to get to a stadium, buy expensive food, park, um, or fans watching it on the, their electronics that keep getting better and better and better. Um, I do think kind of, you know, top events are always going to be really expensive, like the Super Bowl and, and big games. But I think sites, you know, like StubHub and, and Game Time and, and secondhand ticket sites, you know, I think they do provide for, you know, smaller games. They do provide, uh, you know, cheaper tickets, uh, you know, for smaller events that, that can get people in and, and hopefully have all fans enjoy, you know, at least a, a game of their favorite team at some point. Um, but there are a lot of disruptions. There are certainly changing uh, habits. And it's really important for teams and leagues to stay on top of that. Otherwise, the ones that, that, that aren't on top of it could really fall behind to the ones that are. Definitely. And you've already answered this a bit, but um, you know, you're really at the forefront of sports and technology. Are there any trends, um, like you touched on social media, that you've noticed within the industry that could help re-engage this consumer slash fan demographic? One thing that you know, one trend that really gets me excited for a number of reasons is virtual reality. I think mm. that is a really exciting form of tech that could really uh, amplify the fan experience. Um, you know, putting on a headset, a virtual reality headset, and watching an NBA, NBA game with it um, is, is a pretty amazing experience. And you really do feel like you're there, uh, and, and you could be halfway across the world, or you could be a half, you know, across the street from the arena. And I think that's really helpful because teams can really beam their product to, to fans all over the world and give them a great experience, uh, even to fans that have no, you know, intention of ever coming to a game if they live thousands of miles away. Uh, but I think it really gets them involved uh, with the team on a much better level than just, you know, even watching a game or, or just seeing highlights every once in a while. Um, so if there's one trend that I think could really help teams sell their product and, and sell kind of what goes on in the arena and, and have fans all over the world kind of un, you know get to know their players and, and everything that else is going on. I really think virtual reality and, and augmented reality uh, in a certain sense can really aid that. And I think that's, uh, you know, to, to combat all of the, you know, the, the stuff that's preventing people from going to games. I think this could really help people get involved with teams and, you know, and incentivize them uh, or make them want to go to a game more in the future. Definitely. I totally agree with you. Now, I've tried on a VR headset for a couple different things, but they were both um, video game-esque games. Have you done one for a traditional sports 
experience? Yeah, I did one. I did one early on for the MBA with an XVR. Okay. And it, it's you know it's it's interesting because there's definitely it, it's like any new technology. It's you know it's Apple iPhone 1.0. Uh, there's certainly going to be a lot of improvement going forward. Uh, it's a pretty amazing experience. Uh, you're right. You feel like you're right courtside. You know when players check into the game, they, they sit down right in front of you, and uh, it's it's pretty. It's really kind of an intense feeling. Uh, you realize you're just sort of in your own world because I think one of the, the toughest things about it right now is, you know, I was standing up watching this and felt like I didn't even move, uh, but I realized I was like six or seven feet away from where I started uh, when I started when I put the headset on to when I took them off. You really just kind of get immersed in your own world, and uh, and and you really can't be. You're obviously not, uh, you know, aware of anything else going on, uh, even right in front of you. So that's kind of the one interesting drawback to it right now. Um, but it's a really exciting technology. How was the the esports one? I haven't done a gaming one before. Definitely. I mean, it's just it's an insane experience, right? The, both the ones that I've done, you've been. Um, you're moving around and kind of shooting at different targets and it's unbelievably physical and it just takes you into another world right so in the sporting context you're getting courtside seats without the courtside price tag so that's pretty sweet yeah it's uh it's really something that i that i think can get fans really excited and and might expose fans that otherwise might not have been exposed for the first time which can obviously give teams a lot of benefits even if they're if they don't go to games yeah for sure so switching gears a bit um how do you see blockchain fitting into the sports industry yeah well you know for <laughs> I, i'm no blockchain <laughs> expert I, I i don't think many people are really uh so you know take take my answer uh you, you know as, as as not gospel um but you know I've, I've started to really try to catch up with with blockchain and and, and see what it's all about um, over the you know the last uh, year or two. And what I really like about it is it, it kind of it provides a ledger and, and everything kind of itemized and open sourced and um, is out in the open. And and I think a lot of this open source data is really important for you know everyone to kind of know know what's going on and, and not have it be secretive. Um, you know, an example. Um, certainly is you know players and their agents um you know that whole process is is kind of interesting and you know a lot of them you know come you know get it, a lot of advisement or some get none at all and i think blockchain you know from the the player agent relationship and, and you know and bringing that data out into the open uh could really help a lot of you know young collegiate athletes or or anyone um when when getting their professional career started um you know, in terms of how it, it works uh, at large, uh, it, it's going to be something that's really interesting. Uh, something that intrigues me is if, you know, one of these big teams or leagues kind of sets up their own digital currency. I think that's kind of a, an intriguing uh, proposition for a big entity like the NFL, NBA, um, you know, NHL uh, to, to maybe set up their own digital currency uh, like a lot of other, you know, companies are, are looking to do uh, but certainly the adoption for that is going to take time and but i think it's something that could be really interesting for sports to you know teams have their their own currency and it can be potentially traded or you know provide discounts at the games and, and something they have you know complete control over um i, 
I think that could be kind of interesting for payments going forward. But uh, the blockchain world is uh, is definitely a little bit of the wild west right now, and uh, and there's a lot for for a lot of people, myself included, to catch up on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's a happening place. Um, another happening place is esports. Can you speak to, um, you know, you've been involved or you were involved with Sports Techie for a long time there. When did you first start seeing esports pop up and how do you think it's changed since then and what are your thoughts on the industry now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I've never really thought about when it first started popping up. I'm kind of a unique case because my roommate in college has been a gamer his entire life and he really got me, you know, he works for Twitch now, and, and he's really been uh, talking about this for a lot longer than it's been mainstream. So I was lucky to kind of hear it from him a little earlier. But what was interesting was even when I saw some things pop up, it was it was something that, that I kind of mistakenly doubted a little bit was going to be something that was going to be interesting to a lot of people. But I think there's a lot to learn from, you know, the esports rise. Uh, I think... You know, it certainly goes to show, you know, having an adaptive mindset and not thinking that you have all the answers, you know, or not thinking that if you don't, you know, especially connect to something that it might not be huge, you know, video games, uh, you know, watching people play video games personally is not something that I, you know, it would be a, a top uh, priority for me. But it's it certainly without a doubt is an enormous draw for many people around the world. You see streaming numbers with larger you know larger totals than than people that watch the super bowl some years so it's uh it's something that really shows uh to always have that adaptive mindset and to to always think uh you know just because i might not see the you know the the point or the or, or the fun in it, it it could be big and i think what's really interesting about esports as well is they they really jumped to you know getting their product on you know on, on social on digital and really trying to use that model uh, before a lot of other uh, big leagues decided to do that and I think the results speak for themselves. They've really were able to to catch on really quickly and do it pretty efficiently instead of holding out and you know doing a pay per view type model or or really trying to squeeze out every last dollar um, you know for events online. Um, I guess I never answered your original question. It must have popped up maybe 2014 into 2015, maybe at first. And I don't think I don't think we covered it at Sport uh, fair you know, fairly consistently until 2015. But I might have to double check now to, to see when that was. But it, it's certainly been an education for me over the last few years, understanding esports and and really seeing its uh, enormous uh, audience and following. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think to your very first point about when you first heard about it, kind of not really taking it seriously, I would say I had a very similar experience when uh, I was first asked just this year to look into it. And I kind of thought, wait a second, we're sports technology group. Come on, this isn't sports. And now that we are kind of knee deep into it, it is a whole world. And I honestly, I'm... I didn't really grow up as a gamer played the occasional mario kart but wasn't uh, wasn't a full-fledged gamer and i have the utmost respect for those athletes and and i honestly think it's the future so it's definitely going yeah. places it's um, really interesting and and the more you kind of uh educate yourself on it uh it starts to make a lot more sense at least for me uh 
you know, a lot of people, a lot of similar people, you know, can't get their head around why people like to watch, you know, basketball players run around on the court or NFL players run around on the field. And the psychology of it is really similar, I think. You know, what, I like the NFL, I like basketball, and, you know, the way I see NBA players and NFL players moving around, a lot of fans, a lot of younger fans see that uh, in video games, and they kind of appreciate it in the exact same way that, that I appreciate the sports that I like. So, you know, when I heard that explanation of it uh, and kind of looked deeper into the, the psychology of it all, it, it made a lot more sense and kind of brought a lot, a, a lot more similarities to, you know, cross between the sports uh, than I thought were, the, you know, might have been there uh, at first glance. Definitely. And I mean, really, after watching esports again, it's only been, what, a year um, since I've started my research into this. And after watching esports, going back to watching traditional sports, like watching football on Sundays, it's almost like football is so boring. <laughs> esports, <laughs> there's just so much stimulation and there's always something going on. Um, it's it's hard to go back to watching traditional sports, and that's very probably an unpopular opinion, but <laughs> just my two cents. Uh, so have you been inside like an arena when a competition's taking place? No, I haven't been. It's only been on Twitch, so I haven't even been to a live event, and I'm already into it. Yeah, I haven't been to a live event either. It's something that uh, that could be pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I wonder what the, I've seen it on Twitch as well and, and online, but. I, I've been intrigued of what the, the differences might be kind of in watching it in person. Yeah, well, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, but thanks so much for joining us, Simon. Is there anything that you want to cap off with kind of, you know, trends for the future or what you think the biggest trend in 2019 will be in sports tech? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much going on. Uh, as I mentioned before, I think virtual reality continues to, to take steps in every quarter it seems like there's a there's a big new virtual reality initiative uh, this week formula one came out with their own virtual reality app um and, and baseball really had a a big showcase of virtual reality with their all-star game uh, and i think it's really interesting using that for you know player training uh giving you know players extra reps uh fans of course like i mentioned before being able to have a good seat at the game and, and also kind of from a business sense uh, teams being able to show off, you know, maybe luxury seating to someone that, you know, isn't able to come down to the stadium, but they can feel like they're there. Uh, I, I really am a big believer in virtual reality changing uh, a lot of uh, the way teams not only do business on the field, off the field, the fan experience, I think it's really interesting. But I guess to, to go off something else, uh, I really think all of this, uh, you know, it's kind of the, the black hole of sorts, but a lot of this medical, you know, statistics and analysis uh, and really understanding players from the inside and out, you know, uh, from a you know, medical standpoint uh, and all of the, the, the wearable, you know, health devices. I think that's something that can continue to increase, especially as, you know, athletes continue to make more and more money. The, the investments these teams place into these players is, is so high that, you know, being able to have them healthy and, and taking any last step to ensure that they're healthy or, or as healthy as possible for a game I think that the value proposition with that has continued to go up. So, uh, you know, I, I, I guess going forward, if there's another thing that I continue to look at is kind of uh, the medical wearable, you know, health tracker devices and, and seeing how that continues to progress and, and how leagues deal with that, you know, having teams and potentially 
you know, leagues having all of your health data and kind of the legal aspects of that. I think that could be pretty interesting next year. Absolutely. Well, to plug what we're doing a bit, I mean, blockchain can help with the legal side of, of who owns that data and, and how it gets uh, transferred and protected and all that. Um, but 2019 going to be the year of virtual reality and wearables. So love it. Um, where can our well, listeners... It's not gospel, but... Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Where can our listeners follow you, Simon? Where can they find you? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter, I guess, the most out of all the social media sites, just at my name, at Simon Ogus. Uh, and I'm covering sports tech, as you mentioned, for Forbes, uh, on their Forbes Sports media, uh, Money page. Uh, so you can just Google my name on their site or... And, you know, sign up for the articles or just check them out every once in a while. But that's where you can find me right now, uh, still in the sports tech space. But if anyone, you know, my email is on my Twitter bio. Uh, anyone's free to, to shoot me a, a note and I'm happy to get back to you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Simon. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Next year, The Gauge continues to provide you with the latest insights with exciting thought leaders in sports and esports technology. Thanks for tuning in and see you in the new year.